Hello, sword people. Welcome to the Sword Guy podcast. This is your host, Dr. Guy Windsor, consulting swordsman, teacher, and writer. Join me for interviews with historical fencing instructors and experts from a wide range of related disciplines as we discuss swords, history, training, and bringing the joy of historical martial arts into our modern lives. Now, this in-between episode is a little different to usual. Uh, I interviewed Damon Young, philosopher and swordsman, in episode 31, and as the conversation continued, well, we wrapped up and then we just carried on chatting. We'd never actually met before, but we seemed to hit it off pretty well. And we had discussed earlier on Twitter, I think it was, a kind of wooden Aboriginal shield used in Australia, apparently. And as a woodworker, I was tinkering around with the idea of making a replica. And so I was just catching up with Damon about that, and that led us into a discussion of what actually is a sword. And I completely accidentally left the microphones on, so this conversation was recorded. And having like listened to it, I realized that there are many of the sword people out there who will find this very geeky philosophical discussion about what actually makes a sword swordy. What is swordiness? How do we define what is a sword? It's just catnip to that particular niche, which is exactly the niche that this podcast was invented to serve. So if that sounds like your sort of thing, then listen on. If that sounds a little um, little too geeky for you, that's perfectly all right. We'll have a slightly more mainstream episode next week. There wasn't a sensible way to edit this conversation because we didn't like set out to discuss what is a sword. So I had to leave in all of the sort of preamble about um, this Aboriginal Shield project and other things because there wasn't a sensible place to cut it. So um, just bear with me for the first couple of minutes and it'll all make sense in the end. So without further ado, here is Damon Young and Guy Windsor philosophizing about what actually is a sword. Well, I think that's a wrap. That Bloody hell. Jesus. That was, what? I just, I do rabbit on, like, my no, 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 but, but you rabbit on in an articulate and interesting way, so that's actually, it's, it is podcast perfection. Well, I'm, I'm very as, glad as, to hear that. You're very kind. Um, oh, and um, I meant to say, you know that Aboriginal shield thing? Yes. Yes. Okay, I chopped a tree down in my garden because it had just the right size yes. for it. Um, the tree had to go anyway. And I cut out the right length of trunk. And I couldn't quite get it on my bandsaw. I, I planed off one, one bit flat so I could kind of run it on the bandsaw so, mm. I, so I could cut the shape of the shield out. And now then I left, I realized it was too big to go on my little bandsaw. And so I just put it down and left it a few days. I was going to take it to a bit. Uh, there's a maker space in town where it has a bigger bandsaw. And in those two days, it split halfway oh. down itself in the wrong direction. Ah. <laughs> so okay. it's like, 
Ah, so close. Yeah. Uh, I might I might salvage it, but but looking at it, it's really obvious how it's made. It's it's the um it's the outside of so if you imagine a tree trunk, it's a cylinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's basically a smallish tree trunk or a branch that's been cut and then it's just being carved away from one side. So you have the outside of the tree trunk is the outside face of the shield. Oh right, yep. Right. And then the the handle has been kind of carved out of the center of the trunk. So it's it's really no, it's not a complicated design. It's a lot of work if you do it in the traditional manner with stone tools or what have you. But with like a, a modern banister and stuff, it's not even it's not even a difficult job. It's just I want to do it properly, so it has the same sort of grain structure as the originals would have had. Um, and the, yeah, the one tree in the garden that was the right size did that to me. Right. <laughs> So, so I, ha- I just want to say I haven't forgotten it. Right. Um, I mean, it, it does. Um, it does go to show how bloody difficult it is, um, even with modern tools, to make sure that everything works right. Do you know what I mean? To yeah, <laughs> make sure it doesn't yeah. split and it's the right size and it's the right density and the right. Oh God! I mean, because all it's got to do is save your life. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's a. It's a- it's really just a buckler. Um, yes. With, and, it's, and it's very narrow. They're like, when I looked at the specs, they are about four or five inches wide. Mm. That's extremely so narrow. Yeah. But, I mean, think, think of like parrying with a stick. It's basically a parrying stick that has a completely protected hand. Right. Okay. So it's really not doing the same kind of job as as a Roman shield or a Viking no, not shield. At all. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's a, it's it's a, and it's not going to be of any use against projectiles. It is no. purely for parrying, probably a spear, maybe a boomerang. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, or some sort of like like those sort of handheld wooden sword club things they use. Yes, I mean the the boomerang. Yeah. Most boomerangs weren't um, returning or th- or throwing ones. They were uh, yeah. like you know a war boomerang was a. In fact, what I'm arguing in my sword book is that uh, a combat boomerang is a sword. It's a it's a wooden yeah, sword. Of course it is. But but you yeah. you know some people go no it isn't it's not metal. What. <laughs> But in fact, when when the um, when the English arrived in Australia, um, the naturalists who observed the indigenous people with their boomerangs described them as scimitars and swords. Right. So well, didn't, yeah, didn't didn't bother them for a moment that they were wood because they were sharpened wood that was you know they did sword things with. Um, right. Which reminds me, when I finish that chapter, which is um, what is a sword and what is not a sword. Would you consider having a look at it? Of course, I would. Yeah, um, I'm delighted to. It's it's sort of it's the first chapter of this book that I'm really doing on my spare time. Just the the first idea is what are we actually talking about? What's the difference between a sword and things that are like swords but not swords? Um, it gives you know, and that's a nice meaty philosophical question. 
I, I, I can give you my working definition if it's helpful. Go on. Okay, so you have knives. Yes. And you have swords, and then you have things which are sort of too long to be swords, like yep. spears. Yep. Right? Um, to my mind, it's a sword. It becomes a sword when it's useful to split up the blade into offensive and defensive characteristics. Okay? Ooh. So... So if you have if you have like a a, a, sh- a short knife, yep. Okay, you can you can parry with the blade, you can cut with the blade, you can do stuff with the blade, but you don't really distinguish between which bit of the blade you're using because it's all close enough to the hand that the leverage against you isn't that great. Yes. Yeah. When it gets a bit bigger, you need to use one bit of the, the weapon for defense and one bit for offense. Yes. Um, and at that point in my head, it becomes a sword. All right. So, which means, which means, which means that the gladius, for example, by that definition is a dagger, not a sword. Right. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. So what about spears? Um, well, the the blade is, uh, I'm talking about distinction of the blade. Right. The blade on a spear is just the hitty bit. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so the blade is is entirely offensive and therefore is not a sword. Right. Okay. That's really interesting and something I hadn't considered at all. Um, yeah, and, and I, it, it just it comes entirely from the fact you know I'm, I'm a practicing sword person and a blade nut and. Yes. In my mind, it all it all boils down to practicalities of use. Right. Um, okay. Yep. 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 But I don't have a strong kind of moral attachment to the definitions. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not pejorative to me to call a sword a knife or to call no, a I, sword I don't think a spear. So no, I'm. I'm. It, for me, it's purely curiosity and helpful. Right. Because you can say, well, right. these are the things I'm excluding. I'm not. I'm not talking about spears, except incidentally. I'm not right. talking about daggers. I'm talking about swords, and swords are X. Um, um, so, like, you know, is a chinquidea a sword or a dagger? You'd have to think about how you use it. Right. Um, and to my to my mind, because of its structure, because it's triangular, the, yes. the blade is. Yeah, yeah. Triangular. Um, one of the and and the length that they tend to go to, um, and the way that they they are held, to my mind, they're daggers. By my definition, because you you wouldn't usefully separate the blade into okay. Well, the simplest separation is as Capafero would have it between the forte and the debole, the strong and the weak. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Tibot goes all the way up to 12 gradations on the blade, right? Yep. Fiore has three. Um, so, and only in one of the manuscripts. Okay, so a, so a Chiquidea, we're talking, the blade is what, about 50 centimeters, 40 centimeters? Um, yeah, anything, anything between 30 and 60. And obviously, right. a really big Chiquidea, like a 60, would probably be a sword. On my definition, yes. The okay. one that's at fifty is probably still a dagger, 
and one that's at 40 is definitely still a dagger. Okay. So I'm just trying to think. I'm doing the philosophical thing of trying to think of counterexamples because that's how this typically works. Because your, your definition needs to be able to include every, everything. Because your, your yeah. definition here is most helpful but from distinguishing between a knife and a sword. Um, um, yeah, or between a sword and a pole weapon. Yeah, so a pole weapon may not even have a blade, strictly speaking. It may just have a point. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, but then if you have, for example, a spadone or a swihander. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They are, def- they are definitely swords. Yes, but they're because you would, length. But they're not. Yeah, but they're definitely swords because the blade is divisible. Yes. Necessarily divided into offensive and defensive yep. parts. I agree. Um, although they're, they're no longer sidearms. No, they're not. Yeah, because you can't wear them. Um, right. Yeah, what what I've this is sort of stuff I do talk about in terms of length, for example. You know, so so there are absolutely some swords that are longer than spears. So it's not enough to say well, swords are shorter because they're historically they're not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so indigenous and, and, spears and, are short. And the, the sidearm thing. I mean, you can't reasonably say that a zweihander is not a sword. Exactly. But you couldn't wear the bloody thing <laughs> unless yeah, you were but, a giant. But, 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 here's, but here's the question. Why can't you reasonably say a Zweihander is not a sword? Well, for me, it's because of a slightly different definition of a sword. Um, although I think yours is very elegant. Um, my definition, and I, I mean, you can see this if you send you the document, is that it's um, a, a melee weapon that strikes beyond uh, grappling range uh, with a balance closer to the hand than to the tip. Um, and the balance tends to rule out most pole weapons. No, spears will balance closer to the hand than to the tip. Aren't they either central? So, for example, if they're just a pure wooden spear, you have... Um, it's it's uh, equidistant. It's right in the middle, and then you have a sphere where it's slightly isn't going to be slightly towards the further towards the tip than to the handle. Well, okay, a it depends how you hold it. If you hold it by the butt end, obviously the the center of gravity is much closer to the tip than to the hand. Yes, but the way the way you would normally hold a spear for single combat. Um, it it balances very much like a sword, and sure, again, yes. Fiore Fiore okay. Fiore spe- specifically says that there is as good an iron at the at the sort of the pedale, the foot of the spear, as there is at the head. So it's actually a double ended weapon. Sure. Okay. I suppose my point there is the the reason that the spear is balanced in that way is because. You're not holding it as you would a sword. Whereas if we're talking purely about... Why not? Well, because looking at the object itself, there's always going to be more weight distributed towards the end of a sword, sorry, towards the the butt of a sword than there is similarly in a spear. Because in order to have... Unless you have a particularly heavy pedale. I was just thinking if... 
because in order to have the kind of point control you need in a sword, which is kind of what typically makes a sword a sword, it's the, the relationship of balance to the way you hold it. You need to have more towards the end than, sorry, more towards the butt than towards the tip. Whereas because of the way you hold a spear, um, you achieve that outcome, that point control, but not because of the same distribution of weight in the object. Does that uh, make sense? No, it doesn't track my experience at all. Okay. Do, do tell me um, this is This is super well, important. Okay. Because there are many different ways to hold a spear, far more than there are ways to hold a sword. Mm-hmm. Um, and your it's it, it's so it seems like you're you're treating the the grip as a static thing and the it's point it's point of balance relative to where you hold it but the thing is because your grip is always changing that isn't a fixed point oh no i, I um, recognize that completely um and that's mm-hmm. a very good point i mean purely if you look at the object i mean where is the weight distributed in that object Okay, so generally with a spear, the weight is going to be distributed fairly close to the middle. Yes. Okay, and even with pull-ups, actually, I remember Tom Leone taught a seminar in WMW, um some years ago, and he had an antique rapier or two and a couple of antique pole arms mm-hmm. from like 16th century Italy. And on these antiques, the point of balance on the pole arm was a, in both cases he brought two of them the same as the length of the sword that he brought. Hmm. So the actual when you are holding the pole arm, yes, um, it's like you have a sword sticking out of your hand, yes, and a whole bunch of extra weapon sticking out behind that. Yes, I that that makes perfect sense, and I think that's a really important. Um, conceptual distinction because what I'm talking about is not the point of balance in your hand but the weight distribution in the object itself and so sure. but then it, you, you do find swords that have a center of mass which is approximately very close to the middle of the blade itself yes absolutely but it, it's closer but I would say they always tend to be in the first half of the object Although the last half, depending on what side you're talking about. So they, they tend to be in the half that you're holding rather than the half that you're cutting with or stabbing with, um, which I don't think is true of pole arms. It's not, it's not true of halberds and it's not true of bills and it's not true of pikes for sure. Yeah. But I think it is usually true of spears. Right, whereas my sense with spears, wooden or steel, is that they're still going to be center, not approaching, you know, not in that first half. But it does it does complicate things for me um, because spears aren't so neatly balanced towards the, the cutting end. Um, right, and I, th- I mean, think of Fiori's spear, for example. Okay. Um, it is. It has similar, uh, similar heads at either end, 
which means its its central gravity is going to be approximately halfway down yep. the shaft. Bang in the middle, yeah. Most most of the time, Fiori shows holding that spear with that center of gravity between your hands. Yep. Okay. So it's like having a, a sword at both ends, for example. You, what, what, you're, yeah. what you've achieved is sword-like point control than in a longer object. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, although I practice my spear point control by holding it with one hand by the butt. Because if right. you can put, put, your, put your spear point wherever you want it while holding it with one yes. hand by the butt, <laughs> Yes. Then it doesn't matter where else you hold your hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That point will go exactly where you want it to go. Yes, that's good. Um, okay. So, because I did, I sent uh, Matt Easton an email about this because I have so little okay. experience with swords. Uh, sorry, with um, pole arms. Um, you know, most of my experience is with is with swords and some daggers. And. He actually he ended up doing a video on it, which was super helpful. And the sense I got from that was very much that spears are either balanced sort of bang on in the middle or in the or in the second half, and swords are always closer to the hilt, but certainly in that certain in that first half. And as you pointed out, that's dynamic because it depends on where you hold them. But talking purely about where the weight distribution is mm. in these objects. Swords are designed to give you more deft point control, um, but the kind of point control you should enjoy with a dagger, but you have three times the length of a dagger or twice the length of a dagger, um, and you can get that. Go on. Okay, so what, what about executioner's swords that have no point, are used purely for cutting? Yes. And... They fairly often their center of mass is actually pretty close to the middle, but still on the hilt side of the middle. Oh, okay. The thing about the, the historical record is you can find an example of anything you look for. Right. I bet you. Any, I bet you anything you like. Somewhere in the world, there is something which is indisputably a sword-shaped object yes. that has a center of mass closer to the point than to the pommel. That's that's pretty much a given, but you know, there's that hurts me, guy. And that hurts me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because it, you know, a good definition. I, uh, you know, Wittgenstein's theory says you should be able to talk of family resemblances, and ultimately, that's the kind of thing I should be doing if I weren't being so anal about it. I'd say, <laughs> in general, or there's a right. there's a family of objects called swords, and they tend to have these features. Um, and I may need to do that, but I really wanted to see if I could do the most watertight definition possible, which included a rich range of swords, but excluded daggers and pole arms. Uh, okay, I, I think I think that's a hard road to hoe. Yes, because I think I think again, and if you if you expand across cultures. Like the the war boomerangs you were talking about. Yes. Some people would say they weren't swords because they're made of wood. Yes. Um, Francis uh, no, um, Richard Burton um, in his uh, the book of the sword. Yes. Yes. He I think he describes a 
basically a stick with sharp um, stones attached to it. Yes. As a sword. Right? So, yeah, I'm... I I think I think you're going to have a really hard time finding finding a definition that has no exceptions. Yes, which is incredibly frustrating, but also really to be expected. Um, and yeah, I, 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 the world doesn't divide neatly into into you know, perfect categories. No, and especially when. You know, your question as when you're on the battlefield or on the field at dawn facing your opponent is, what is this in my hand? You know, this yes. <laughs> is this truly a sword or is it, is it really more of a dagger? Or perhaps, yeah. perhaps it's a spear. And, yes. and, then, you know, and, a, and a long sword partakes of the sword and it partakes of the dagger and it partakes of the spear and it partakes of the axe. Yes, and, uh, right. and it can depend on your size. Um, an, an extremely yeah. large person um, could be, you know, rather extremely small person, a hobbit, shall we say, um, yeah. would use a dagger as a sword. Right, and you can't, I mean, if you think about how all different ways that the longsword is held, if I'm coming in with a pommel strike to your face, you'll find most of the defenses against pommel strikes are in the dagger section, because you can just treat it like a dagger. Right, and all the yes. dagger stuff just works. But if I'm and if I'm coming in with half sword, and again I have a dagger sticking out of my left hand, that's again it's a dagger. Mm. You treat it like a dagger. Um, if if we are if I if I'm holding it by the blade and smacking it over the head with the hilt, it's an axe. Yep, sure. Um, or a warhammer or some such thing. Right, and and if you look at, I mean your your central gravity thing with swords. Um, Fury has an illustration of a sword to be used for fighting in armor that has a sliding rondel. So it's got a spear point, a blunt um, blade section, a hilt, and a sliding rondel so you can, your hand is protected, but you can slide it up and down the blunted section of the blade. Ah! So if, yes. So, so the so the center of gravity of the mass changes because yes. if the rondel is up at the tip, it's going to balance closer to the tip. And if the yes. center of gravity is, if the rondel is back at the hilt, it's going to balance closer to the hand. Yes. In fact, what one I'm thing sorry. I argue? No, no, no. This is good. In in the in the chapter, I actually argue that a, a sword is best understood as an arrangement rather than as a specific object. Um, so there are some objects. Okay that can be moved into a sword configuration that would not be a sword in a different configuration. Um, okay. And so do you address, sorry, do you, do you address um, the German sort of gross messer? That's, uh, I don't mention it by name, but it certainly was haunting me. Um, the yeah, big knife. By def- yeah, but by definition, by legal definition in Germany, it's, it's a, a knife. knife because, yes. Because the handle is constructed with scales riveted to the tank. Yes. Right? Yes. As opposed to it being a sword because it's of a certain length. Yes. Um, to, to me, it would really depend on, one, the way the weight's distributed in the weapon, and two, on um, whether or not you could use it effectively Beyond grappling range, 
Okay, so so your minimum length for a sword is determined by um, grappling range. How do you de- how do you define grappling range? Well, I think of it really in terms of practice. Can you cut that person um, without fear of you know of of being grappled? That is, is it does its length offer that opportunity? That's simply not. Okay, can, can you can you hit, can you hit them when they are too far away to grab you? Yes. Okay. Because oh, I think that's I really think what a sword offers beyond a dagger. You know, by definition, a dagger is a really wonderfully sneaky, fast weapon. Um, but, but if but, you can dagger someone, they can dagger you. But they daggers can be thrown. That's true. Yes. Which would which would I think they would cease to be a handheld melee weapon then, and then become <laughs> a projectile weapon. But but they are still. Ha- but the, the object hasn't changed. Yes, I know. And and one of my arguments is it depends on use. Um, and I think <laughs> you know you can throw a sword. You absolutely can throw a sword. I'm I'm sure it's Absolute in the name. Fury shows it. Yeah, yeah. Fury Fury, it, well, Fury shows defenses against that. Yes. Does he include running? No, because that would that would be cowardly. And- yes, that's true. Um, I'm sure I've seen a video on on defense against thrown sword. Is that one of yours? I've certainly done it. I don't know whether I videoed it or not. Okay. I don't think I've videoed it. But yes, I, I, I think sort of, it's difficult oh. to train safely. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't have any problem with the idea that daggers and swords can be thrown, um, but I also don't think that's what they're primarily for. So, you know, you can use a sword like a spear. You can use a spear like a sword. You can use, you could try to use. Okay, um, okay, okay, okay. Uh, all right. So, I'm just having fun poking holes in. in yes, no, please do. Argument, which Literally is, my yeah, job. Okay. All right. Okay. Yes, exactly. All right. So, your, um, it's, its primary function is part of the definition. Uh, I wouldn't Agreed. say primary function. I would say. Um, it affords certain practices and not others well. So, you, you know, you can use a sword for picking okay. your teeth. It's just not right. going to be as good at that as it is at killing people from beyond grappling range. Okay. So, but like throwing the dagger doesn't stop it being a dagger and throwing the sword doesn't stop it being a sword. Okay. But what about a sword whose primary function is status display to the point that, like, like a bearing sword, like yes. some of those enormous, incredibly beautiful, um, but completely useless for fighting yep. swords. How do they fit in your taxonomy? Um, I think I haven't thought about that particular example, um, but I, I did think of things like that because I'm aware that a lot of the value of swords is, is symbolic not just Marshall. Mm-hmm. But I, I did use a similar case, which is um, a toy sword. Um, okay. And to my mind, a toy sword is not a sword because it doesn't do the basic things that swords do. Or rather, more specifically, I had to be very specific about this. It is not um, amenable to being used in the way that swords are because it lacks many of those features. So, for example, a toy sword, by definition, is not supposed to cut and is not supposed to puncture because if it 
if it did, wouldn't be a toy anymore. Okay, um, then. But neither neither is a the sorts of long swords you'll be using in class. Yes. Um, is 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 a fencing foil? Yes. Or I do, I do a, talk about a long sword shape fencing foil. Of course, of course, you do. I'm just curious. Yes. Um, yes. Um, so, would you say they're swords or not? I would say they are swords because they would be amenable to transformation into swords. They would not be very good, but you could absolutely – because, I mean, if you think about it, uh, think about a, a regulation 19th century uh, infantry officer's sword. They would be issued to the officer blunt and then the officer would have to sharpen them. Yeah. To my mind, that blunt sword is a sword. It just and it because it is amenable to being sharpened. Um, it's okay. amenable to yeah. being used like a sword. Many of these objects. Okay. So a, a toy sword is not amenable to that. Um, I think a fader. What about a fencing foil? I, I think a fencing foil is amenable to that. I think it it might not be very good, but it is amenable it's, it's to being sharpened. Yes. Yeah, you can you can sharpen the point, but it's built to flex. It's it not is. built to shove through things. That's true. I mean, I think we're we're talking about there are various kinds. So if I look at my uh, longsword, it's a um, uh, Victor Berbacuche longsword. Oh yeah. If I put an edge on that and a point on that, it's a sword. It's it's extremely amenable to swordness. But 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 is it? But is it? You just said if you put an edge on that and a point on that, it's a yes. sword. So is it? Is it? Is it not quite a sword yet? Uh, I think I can't remember the way I phrased it, but it is amenable to being a sword, or rather, okay. it, is am- it is amenable to doing the thing that swords do, just like a blunt sword is. Because we, you know, okay, you- it- <laughs> so I, I have I have a different definition. Yes, this, right. To my mind, a foil, for which I would include, for example, my Fector Spear, which is a blunt training longsword. Mm-hmm. A is not a sword. It is a is a training aid for the practice of swordsmanship. Mm-hmm. Swordsmanship is done with an actual sword, and swords are by definition sharp, at least in the point or the edge, but often both. But then, that infantry officer who's given a blunt sword—that's not a sword. Mm, no, I'd say that probably is a sword because it's already able to do to behave in a sword like way, and it's not. It, there you there's go. No, mm, but also because like sharpness is is not an absolute. Nope. I I I can geek out with you on the on the on the specifics <laughs> of sharpening until the cows come home. I mean, I'm a I, I'm a trained cabinet maker and you know i i so one of the reasons i went into woodwork is because i like sharp steel mm-hmm. um but okay so hmm. that's okay. why i think we, we, we kind of have to talk about no no because the sword that's issued the blunt sword that is issued to the officer its edge geometry is present. Sure. Okay. It does not have parallel flats that meet at a square edge the way, for example, my Fector Spiel does. Yep. Okay. It has edges that taper to, it has, it has flats that taper to an edge. 
Yes. It's just that edge has not had the final honing that will make it truly sharp. Mm-hmm. But it's still a sharp sword. You you couldn't you couldn't fence with it as a blunt. It's rigid. Yes. It's pointed, and yes. it's sharp enough. It's sharp enough to you know crack your head open. Yeah, I suppose the point here is that we're first of all you could conceive of a sword that's sufficiently blunted that it still sort of has an edge, but it 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 really it doesn't do that much damage anymore. If you hit someone at force with it, of course it's going to hurt them because it's a big lump of of steel, but it really doesn't have much of an edge left. Now that would remain a sword, but it would have a very low degree of sharpness. I suppose my point is. Um, my longsword here um, is amenable to that degree of sharpness and has most of the other features of balance and length and so on that make it a sword. Um, and I think this okay. is really important because many of the arguments about what a something is aren't actually arguments about what a something is. They're arguments about the quality of that something. And you find similar arguments in art. So people that say, well, you know, Duchamp's um, fountain isn't a work of art. It's, it's ugly. It's literally a urine or whatever. But it is. It's accepted as an artwork by people in the art world. Um, it has many of the features of an artwork. It's just not very aesthetically rich. It's a bit boring. It's conceptually interesting, but you wouldn't hang it on your wall. Similarly, I think we could conceive of swords that, ha- that are amenable to sword practices uh, that have certainly uh, above average sword potential, but that aren't very good. They're never going to be good swords, but you would recognize them as swords. My argument is a great many training swords would be recognized as low quality swords, high quality training swords, whereas a toy sword is never going to be a sword. It's, it's not a bad sword. It's not a sword at all. Mm. See, like like my um, length definition, yep. where if the blade is divided into offensive and defensive parts, then it's a sword. Mm-hmm. I am I am entirely comfortable with the notion that for one person, uh, there, there's a massive grey area between something which no one would dispute is sword length, yes, and something which no one would dispute is dagger length Mm -hmm. there is a gray area where for some people it would definitely be a sword and for other people it would definitely be a dagger yes and to my because i am primarily focused on training individual students who for whom i make those sorts of customizations all the time Mm -hmm. that is something i'm completely comfortable with okay a sword that is like for example my my effective spiel is not and never will be a sword Mm -hmm. not least because it has to make it a better training weapon it has parallel flats yes. that meet at a square edge. And yes, it could be sharpened, but it would just be a daft thing to do because the blade hasn't been shaped to be sharpened. Yeah, I agree. It, to me, it would be a poor sword. Right. It would be a sword. But, but, so a bad- but, if, but, if, I, but if I took that down, down the pub and started swinging it around... Someone would call the police and say, "There's a nutter with a sword," and the policeman would come and say, "There's a nutter with a sword," exactly, and I'd yes. be treated like a nutter with a sword. You would, right? And because and so you I, would be. I say, well, yes, but 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 by my definition, it's definitely not a sword. Sure. Whereas if I took my my lovely um, uh, either one of my 
sharp long swords down, there'd be no question in my head that I'm being a nutter with a sword. Yes. And, and the thing is, actually though, the law would almost certainly make a distinction. Because if I took a training weapon, which is blunt, has a rubber point on the end mm-hmm. and blunt edges and was swinging it around like a nutter, um, that indicates a level of intent when I could have taken the sharp sword that's right next to it on the rack mm-hmm. and done whatever foolishness I just did with that instead. So the law would certainly make a distinction. Yes. Uh, I would say it's a distinction in something like martial value or dangerousness or something right. like that. Yeah. It's not a distinction exactly. of kind. It's a distinction of degree. Um, okay. But and another interesting example, which may which may back up my position or yours, I don't know, is that I had a an arming sword made um, by a, a local Tasmanian smith um, for doing Viking sword and shield. Cool. Um, but he made it sharp. Uh, okay. And so it was completely useless for Hema. So I had to go. To, I had to go to the knife <laughs> oh, I shop. I disagree. I I I use I use sharp swords in training all the time. But anyway, that's. A, I mean, that's I side. couldn't. I couldn't use it for bouting. Is my point. Um, right. I, I couldn't. Okay. I couldn't use it in drills, um, which is what I needed it for. Well, not without killing my opponents or myself, um, which is frowned upon here in Hobart. Um, and well, yeah, most places. <laughs> so. I went to a knife shop and said, could you blunt this for me? Ah! And uh, <laughs> it came back. Uh, I came back a few days later and put my finger on it and almost cut my finger. And I said, what, what have you done to this? And he said, I've sharpened it for you. And I said, no, but I wanted it blunted. And he made exactly the noise you just did. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, this is wrong. In the end, they did yeah. blunt it for me, and they did a good job, and it's now quite useful for doing um, sword and shield. But I suppose my question for you would be: Did I turn that from a sword into not a sword by having it blunted? Because mm. it no longer has no. an edge; doesn't have a point. No, but, you, no, no, you, no, you violated it. <laughs> but you, <laughs> no argument. You're right. I know. <laughs> but but you but you didn't you didn't you didn't make it not a sword anymore because again it was built and I mean the Smith made it to be sharp. Yes. And so and so okay. Have you ever forged a blade yourself? No, no, I haven't. I'd love to, but I haven't. I I, I only I only did that recently, and it was just a glorious glorious experience and the thing is if you're if you're making a blade to be sharp and you're forging it you're literally hammering the the bevels that will eventually be ground into the uh, into the the flats of the weapon that will become where where they meet that's the edge yeah yeah you're you're ham- you're hammering you're hammering that and you're pushing the metal into place and whatever and you're create you're deliberately creating a particular structure in the steel so mm-hmm. that the when it takes an edge that edge will be as good as it can be yep. right so but if you're making a a foil you would forge it completely differently because your objective is not to make an edge your objective is to make a flexible 
yes work. training tool yeah and right yeah right so so the, the forging process of my fetter spiel is fundamentally different to the forging process of my sharp longsword because in one the smith will have hammered out the metal to make it flexible and to not take an uh, to, to not have an edge kind of built into it yep. whereas with the long swords the sharp long swords that edge has been hammered into this fundamental crystalline structure of the steel itself. And of course, a lot of modern swords are not produced that way. They are yes. produced by stock removal, yep. where you could make you take your block of metal and you, you can make a sharp yeah. long sword out of it, or or you can make a fall out of it. And because of the way the steel is produced these days, it'll work just fine. Yes, now, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but yeah, taking taking a handmade. <laughs> single hand the only thing I will say and then I should go because it's him past nine yeah, yeah, yeah. is oh right yes yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, when we do when the making of the sword is very important to what kind of object it is but I don't think necessarily defines it as a sword or not a sword. So, yes, I grant completely that you change the flexibility, you change the edge geometry and so on in order to make a sword rather than a fader or whatever it is you're making or a foil. Um, but you also don't do any of those things to make a boomerang, but you're still making a sword. Um, okay. And as yes, a woodworker, I can, I can speak to that. Yes, I mean you would have similar edge geometry because you, you know you need the right planes and bevels and so on. But I suppose my my very clumsy point there is it it can't be entirely dependent on the processes you go through to get to something. No, um, of course, yes, of course. But then then the woodworker will have have selected the piece of wood because it already has the necessary grain structure to get the kind of edge that they want. Sure. Whereas yes. a smith can actually create that grain structure by heating the metal up and hitting it. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Um, I was just – it was important to be able to say the, the path we get there is not always what defines sword or not sword. Sure. Um, yeah, fair. But, but and, and isn't it instructive that we actually, we actually stop – the podcast nearly an hour ago and we've been discussing <laughs> what is a sword relative. and actually actually David w would it be all right if I shared this as a as a kind of separate like thing because I, I I know that there are loads of people who would just love to have listened in on this and I have I forgot to stop recording so right we're actually still recording this um, um sure I worry that I'm so muddled about it that I'd kind of be exposing myself to ridicule you know that I haven't thought through it yet um, let me think about it. I'm not. I'm not opposed to your idea. Sure. And 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 I won't. As as I, I think I probably said in my email, I won't sh share any of this stuff until you've had a chance to listen to it first. Sure. Anyway. Okay. So I, I always I always have all of my guests. It's like I we we do the recording. I edit the recording. I send it to the guest, and the guest can say, ah, actually, at you know, forty minutes in, I say this thing, and I'd rather you cut that out, and that's fine, or and then, and you even have the option to just say, actually, guy, I'd rather we just get that between us. Sure. And I won't share it at all. And that's all. No, no guest has yet said that. But it's certainly <laughs> on the table. 
I do. And, I will. And, no, no, no. But it's 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 it's. Um, I need my guests to feel entirely comfortable to say whatever they want, and the only way to make sure, or to, well, one way to help with that is to is so that they know that it's not live and it won't be shared unless they, you know, they, they get an opportunity to look back at it and go, actually, yes, or actually, no. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate you. That was actually another really, it's like we've got two, two podcast episodes for the price of one. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and look, if it, if it does go up, it would make a really nice two-parter, you know, the, the general discussion and then what's bloody sword? What is it? What is the sword? I don't know. <laughs> it's a pokey thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just give it to me. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Let, I have one. I have a philosophical definition of a sword for you. Yep. Right. And this, 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 this is the, what, what I actually use swords for and why I care. Okay. The sword, it pierces the veil of illusion. And it separates truth from falsehood. That is my actual definition of a sword. Mm. That, but that's not something I would I would normally like tell anyone because it's not actually a useful definition. Because you can pierce the veil of illusion with anything, and you can separate truth from falsehood with anything. But but the essence of a sword to me is the it cuts. Yes separating truth from falsehood and it thrusts piercing the veil of illusion. Mm. And we could always say, well, under these circumstances with the right people and in this, you know, the right time and place. But I do like that. I like its elegance. Um, it's funny. You know, the word cleaving is one of those yeah. words that means both two things. completely opposite things. Yeah. I think yeah. it's the case with swords. There's a wonderful cleaving aspect to swords in that they do exactly what you're talking about. They they sort of cut through the bullshit. Um, they bring there's an immediacy to them that means you can't delude yourself. Um, but at the same time, they're a form of intimacy. They bring you together with others, they create very small communities within which that other kind of cleaving occurs. Um, so it's a nice That's beautiful <laughs> yeah I like that wow okay yeah oh my god ah David, we, I, I, I've got to let at least some people listen to this because that, <laughs> that was lovely <laughs> I'm going to go have a cuppa <laughs> okay thank yes, you so much for having me guys. It's, so, it's been a delight talking to you David let's do this again mate. sometime let's do it yes okay Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Damon Young today. And we obviously did because we kept going for an hour after we were supposed to have stopped. So remember to check out guywindsor.net forward slash podcast for the episode show notes and for your free copy of Sword Fighting for Writers, Game Designers and Martial Artists. Tune in again on Friday when I'll be talking to the wonderful Ruth Goodman, author of some of my favorite books on living history, like, for example, How to Be a Tudor and How to Behave Badly in Elizabethan England, as well as her fantastic new book, The Domestic Revolution. 
So tune in on Friday. I will see you then.